Now, this is going to be a serious meeting, you know. I got my cup. I got my candy corn. So, hey, sparklers. I am here with the amazing Vonda Guidry, who is a missionary to Colombia. Ah! <laughs> Hello. Hola. Como están? <laughs> And so if you haven't met her yet, she is awesome. Um, I am a little biased because she's also my aunt. So I kind of like her uh, for, for a few different reasons. And so she's going to be talking with us tonight about ministry and about her life and experiences. And so first of all, welcome. Yay. Thank you. Happy to be here. Um, as you will notice, I'm very serious. So this is going to be a very serious interview. Uh, happy to be with Cherie. Uh, as she said, I'm her aunt. So that makes her my niece, right? And I'm here with my little cup, my rooster cup, my oldest sister gave me. And I have candy corn. So if anybody wants some, you can come and I will share with you. But good to be here. Well, let's see. So tell me a little bit about uh, yourself and uh, kind of your ministry background. What all, what all have you done and what all have you been involved in? Okay. Uh, well. I am 61 years old. Did I say that out loud? I grew up in Indiana. I won't tell you all the details of everything. Grew up in Indiana. Grew, uh, graduated uh, from high school there in the uh, Carmel area. Then from there, I went to Bible College. Uh, four years at Texas Bible College. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, Is it Bible College or Bridal College? Well, I did get married five, in the, five years Two days, four hours later after <laughs> I graduated. <laughs> but anyway, I met my husband there. Um, and uh, God changed my life there. Nobody believes me except my family. But I was really shy back then. But I had two crazy roommates and a lot of crazy friends. Mm -hmm. And uh, they changed my life and helped bring me out of my shell. So, ta-da, I'm out. Out! Oh, yay. Um, <laughs> from Bible College, I went down to Raymondville, where Shereen now, yay, and uh, <laughs> helped my sister and brother-in-law in the church there, where they're at right now in Raymondville. Uh, did a lot of uh, things in the ministry there. Got, I guess you could call it a boot camp. Uh, prayed my husband down there, and from there we went to Alice, Texas. Uh, about a year after we got married, we pastored our first church, five and a half years, Alice, Texas. Uh, from there, we went to Mexico. My husband's always had a burden for Spanish-speaking people. I have too. So we went to Mexico, uh, lived in Texas, Laredo, Texas, on the border there, and we pastored a church. We started a church in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico. Uh, we, our kids were little. I had kids in Alice. We've got two kids. They're grown now, Philip and Amanda. Uh, but we were there in Nuevo Laredo, Mexico, 11 and a half years. Got that church off the ground going. And from there, we applied for missionaries. And we went to Spain for three years. Uh, and then we felt while we were in Spain, we had already been feeling the call to go to Colombia, come to Colombia. I'm in Colombia, duh. 
<laughs> so we felt that while we were in Spain, the Lord just kind of changed our direction. We prayed about it. Opened, the Lord opened the doors, and we have been in Colombia now. This is our seventh year, uh, and we love it, love the people, and uh, been doing all kinds of stuff here. So that's just kind of a quick, quick resume there I guess of our lives <laughs> and then I know too uh in Raymondville you worked in singles ministry uh, right uh well we started I started the first singles ministry down there and uh what we did was we just kind of there was several single people in different cities and they were lonely and we just kind of started a group among ourselves, like one or two from McAllen, one or two from Harlingen, uh, a couple of us from Raymondville, and we just would get together and go out to eat. There went a feather. Did you see that? <laughs> Don't get distracted. Look, it's flying. Uh, <laughs> but we would do different activities. So we would we started the first singles ministry down there and um it was it was fun we we had a good time back then yeah it's a lot with that i know you've done um i know you would work with kids ministry too and i know you do a lot with ladies ministry right now right i i used to do more with children's ministry like in uh mexico and after that a little bit but my ministry has kind of changed i feel more now the burden for ladies ministries um and i do speak at a lot of events i have even spoken out of this country i've spoken chile amsterdam uh several uh ladies events uh online this past year um just wherever that I get invited, I usually usually agree to go. And I still do children's events if I'm asked. Uh, but like I said, my ministry has kind of changed now to ladies. I also work here in Colombia. We have a group or a couple of groups, the senoritas, uh, young ladies that are single. I couldn't hardly say that. I mean, I need a piece of candy. <laughs> <laughs> um, it helps everything. Uh, yeah, that fixed it. But we have a group of young ladies, single ladies that we teach and talk to. And uh, my my goal is to have a retreat for them once the silly COVID mess is over. And we're going to go out to a finca and have a good time. Maybe have a slumber party and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, but this year has just kind of been a rough year, but I've done a couple of things online. Cherie has too with the Senorita group. So, And that's such a neat group. That was one I know you've had a burden for um, a lot of the young ladies. And it's the, is that the Soy de Cristo, Soy Real? Yes I, start, so. yes, I started that um, our last uh, term, I believe it was. And now a uh, few young ladies have taken up and uh, started continued with that and uh gone on teaching the girls and stuff and i'm still involved with it too yes which i think that's so cool because it's there's so much pressure especially on young girls and it's great to have something where they can get together i've seen you guys have done some really fun events i know like you said i've spoke at one of a, one or two of the virtual ones you had like a big was it national i think right where kind of everybody came together and there's been a lot of regional events and uh done online stuff but I've seen there's been like workshops and I, I think I've seen crafts going on and right. all kinds right. of things 
Yes, usually they do like little uh, manual things, teach the young girls things. I'm going to just take this off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you sit there and behave. Um, <laughs> but that's we we try to teach the girls uh, things they can use later in life. And our goal too is to have a cooking class uh, when like I said when this virus is over and our we're not in quarantine. Uh, we want to teach the girls sewing. Uh, I make cookies a lot of times for the people here, and they love my cookies. Uh, so I'm, we're going to try to have a cooking class, teach them how to make uh, chocolate chip cookies, things like that. Uh, many of these girls uh, don't; their parents aren't in the church, and they just they don't know a lot. We teach them about dating, uh, things like that down-to-earth things, and then uh, we do a lot of fun things. We start off with games, and uh, we went to a park one time, and we chased each other and uh, just had a good time. And We try to just reach out to them just to be real, and we do have counselors. We do have uh, ladies that have degrees in counseling, so it's not just fun and games, but when they they want to open up. We have people that can counsel them, advise them, psychiatrists, psychologists in our group. So we do have that too for the girls. Oh, well, that is so awesome. I mean, it's multifaceted. And like you said, I, I love that. And I like too the, so the name, Soy de Cristo, Soy Real. Um, I am, I am Christ. I am Jesus's and I am, it's, I think it's neat though. You said you try to be real. And so there's that in Spanish, real means both real and royal. So it's kind of. Right. It's got that dual meaning, which I think is so cool. You're teaching them about being part of the kingdom of God, but also real. And it's, you're kind of encompassing all the meanings of that word in that ministry. So really awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Well, if you know me, you know, I'm real. So oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know no, you also thanks. do a lot of, you do a lot of writing too, right? Yes, I, I have. I've written two books. Uh, well, I'm starting another book for deportation. <laughs> uh, during this quarantine, I was began. I had a bunch of notes, so I started compiling them. But uh, I wrote a book about uh, a dog I had in Spain, El Cid. He El Cid. Uh, he, he's still alive. Um, when I see pictures of him, it makes me want to cry because he was my little. Uh, I don't know what you would say, but if it hadn't been for him, I don't know if I would have stayed, just to be honest, because our daughter left for Bible college at that time. And El Cid was just my little bubba. Um, he was so sweet. I had to leave him behind. But I wrote a book about him. It's a silly book. Uh, if you want to want it, we can get you a book. Just let us know. Uh, you can write me at BR549. <laughs> Oh, and I'll put two links for the books in the in the comments and all that section, so so they can okay. find links to get your stuff too. So because we want to promote that, I yeah. mean, there aren't many books about missionary dogs out there. Yeah, and his it's El Cid, the missionary dog, and then I wrote a book, uh, Vonda, or uh, the Wonderful Life, yes. a play on uh, with my name, Vonda, the Wonderful Life. Uh, just a lot of silliness. I did put a, some testimonies in there, and this next book will be a continuation of that. Uh, just silliness. My husband wrote a book when we were in Mexico, so if you want his book, it's really good too. His is our time in Mexico, mistakes we've made in Spanish. Oh my goodness. Uh, <laughs> 
just crazy things I've written about, crazy things I've done, uh, just stories. Most people like it. I haven't ever had any complaints, so I do write. Awesome. Just articles too, right? Yes, I was going to say I've written for uh, the Reflection Magazine and the Pentecostal, um, what's our magazine? Sorry, I think it was Herald. Now they've changed it to Life. Yeah. So. Brother Buford has asked me a couple of times to write a couple of uh, articles, not the magazine, but <laughs> so I, yes, I have written a few things. <laughs> yeah, which I think is neat because it's, and you get asked all the time. And if you don't follow her on Facebook, um, it's an adventure. Every day is an adventure. Always fun stuff. <laughs> you yeah. have quite a, I think you have a lot of people who've never met you who follow you just because they need, she posts a lot of. She posts serious stuff too, but a lot of it's funny. So there's plenty of pictures of crazy hats and uh, all those fun things. So, so oh, yeah. I think I honestly think you could say you have a media ministry as well. You've done a lot with that. Maybe so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like to show off my hats. Like my my daughter bought this hat for me for Christmas, and the foo <laughs> the fluff, fluff, and and the other day I bought glasses. I found some glasses. So. Oh. I use and I use a lot of my hats and glasses and things in teaching. When I teach, I'm I'm not a serious person, duh. Um, <laughs> but I use a lot of visual aids and uh, to to get my point across. I'm not one that just screams and hollers and just all that stuff. I I try to teach something that people will remember and use. I've got a collection of hats and glasses and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> you do. I remember we collaborated. Uh, we worked a little on one lesson about Cinderella, and I think uh -huh. you had, we rewrote it like Cinderella as a, a lady who was going to a was it a camp meeting and met a pastor's son. And I think you right. said you you convinced the ladies so well they thought it was your story. They thought it was a true story. And yeah, I had a pastor come up to me and he hugged me and he was crying and he was like, "I'm so sorry you went through." <laughs> But I told it like I was Cinderella and I was poor and I couldn't go to a camp meeting. A pastor's wife bought me a dress and a, I had a, a, a tiara and, and all kinds of stuff. And I had shoes, glittery shoes, and I really made it like me. And I made them believe it. <laughs> yeah, I had them crying, but this pastor, he came up and Poor baby. I, and I didn't get to tell him it wasn't that that wasn't it because he left. <laughs> anyway. It's always an adventure. Oh, so, yeah. So what is it kind of how did you get to the point where you developed your style? Because your style of speaking is always unique. It's there's no one like it. So what oh kind goodness. of helped you to get there? To tell you the truth, I don't know. I just didn't want to be, like, boring. And I would think, what can I do instead of just, um, you know, just read verses and tell people about it. I would, um, like, uh, for example, I'm, I, I've been asked to speak the, to our ladies, our pastor's wives, at the end of this month. And uh, I, they gave me a topic, loyalty. And so I'm going through talking about loyalty in your ministry and your friendship with other pastor's wives, uh, loyalty to God. And then I'm going to end it. This is a secret. Don't tell them Shh. about. I read a book on deputation or part of a book about uh, they went into the field talking about women that uh, 
went into the war years ago. The uh, they had a they wanted to fight. They were not allowed to fight, so they dressed up like men. They cut their hair and they put hats on like men, or put their hair up in there, and uh, they wore the pants and all that. There was like four hundred of them, and they went into the army and they fought some of them because they were loyal to their country. The uh, they believed in what we were fighting for. And it talks about different ones that they were. Uh, one lady went in to the battle. Uh, she was a nurse and she rode on a horse to the battlefield and she would pick the men up off of the battlefield and she would go and take care of them. And there were several that did uh, hero things like this. And it talked about that they volunteered to do this, that they they had a burden for this. This was what they wanted to fight for. And many of them didn't get paid. And there was, you know, they were living in the mud and horrible conditions. But they were loyal to their cause. So I'm going to talk about that. And there's a little bit more. But I have ordered myself a jacket, an army jacket. It's being made. I bought myself a hat, an army hat. And I have a gun. I oh. bought myself a rifle. Yeah. So I'm going to take that and I'm going to talk about being loyal. I'm going to end with that loyal to like the army. I'm going to be talking about loyal to loyalty, um, like uh, to the mission field, how Brother Purdue was loyal. Other missionaries were loyal. Uh, many times they've gone through trials and headquarters has told them you can go home. Um, and they say, no, I have heard the call of a land that needs God, and I'm not going home. Mm. So kind of talking about that, but you can't tell anybody. Not telling. That's awesome, though. Wow. that's. But I just kind that. of doing, doing something different. Yeah. And I think that helps so much because, I mean, I, I love... I, I like a good lecture. I'm, I'm into it. But there's something when you bring in all the visual aids. And I don't know. I see a person in a costume and I'll follow them about anywhere. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. So I know a lot of that's developed. So um, you've talked a little bit about it. But are there any things that you're really excited about right now? Like things that you've got coming up or um, any big ministry plans? Well, um, we have a new, we have an aimer that's coming uh yay, yay. uh danita limones from amarillo texas yay danita if you're gonna watch and hear <laughs> so i'm making plans with her uh some of it she knows some of it she doesn't know <laughs> <laughs> she thinks she's not coming for that no i've <laughs> <laughs> but she don't know won't hurt her We'll be fixing cars and painting houses and fixing sinks, plumbing, all that other fun stuff that yeah. has no idea. <laughs> no, she, she's going to be so happy. <laughs> but I want her and me to do like children's crusades. I've had a burden for that lately. Um, so um, I've asked the pastor, one pastor so far, and got him all excited. So Danita, we can't tell him no now. Um uh, <laughs> But we're going to do that, have a children's crusade, probably the north side of town and then the south side I would like to do. And uh, talking about our senorita gr groups, I want Danita to help me with that. Um, just excited about going out to, we call them uh, fincas outside the city. It's like a little campground. 
and they have usually have a swimming pool, uh, just an area where we can just relax and have fun and just teach. And uh, that's that's what I'm excited about doing that with Danita when she comes. Uh, just we're just kind of excited about getting out. Uh, we finally got out of quarantine. Uh, I thought I was gonna die. Um, I didn't die though. I didn't die. Uh, it was really rough. Uh, seeing the person I am is like sitting in the house uh, with my husband, and I'm kind of energetic, and he's not. But anyways. <laughs> Just we're just excited about getting out and starting uh, to visit our churches again. That's a big part of our ministry here. We do a lot of traveling. Um, we have 727 churches. Uh, we have 400 uh, like daughter works, and so our what we do is we go and visit our pastors and wives and their kids and uh, visit the people. Many people don't know us yet, even though we've been here seven years, but you think 700 churches, it takes a while to visit that many churches. And when you've been stuck at home for a year almost, it's like help. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I know while you've been in quarantine, you guys have done Colombia, man, they really were with it during this whole quarantine. I was, I remember I was seeing constant services and conferences, everything virtual, but and you guys yeah. were speaking almost every night, it seems like in a different church. So you were, yes. yeah. I know you'll be glad to actually see them in person though for a while. Oh yeah. I, these virtual services are not fun. I sorry, but they're not fun. I don't, I don't <laughs> no, not as much. <laughs> and especially like Colombia, you're, I mean, that worship there's, you, you can't, I mean, you can still worship at home, but it's, it's all the feeling of being there. It's right. totally different. Right. Sunday, we were in a service, and it just was beautiful. It just was like, wow. We So many got renewed. It was just beautiful worship. And it there was no music. It was just people just started worshiping. It went on for like 10 minutes, and people were speaking in tongues, and, and young people were just kneeling down, or what's the word, uh, just laying down at the altar and, you know, just worshiping. It was really beautiful. Uh, so we miss that. In virtual services, you can't do that. But yet I spoke uh, Monday night to the Hijas de Sion, and it was just like, there was like 33 people online, not that I counted. Uh, <laughs> but it, the Lord just swept through. And you could, I saw the ladies were just crying and they had their hands raised and it was just beautiful what I felt here in my office, even though I don't usually like those services. But I, I just feel like God is just renewing, uh, restoring, you know, we've all just been through a rough time, but hey, we're still standing and we're we're headed for victory. We, we're coming back soon. Just hang on. So it gets in your heart. The people, I don't know, they they get in your heart. You just fall in love with them. Also, just to tell you, too, while we were in uh, quarantine and all of this stuff, we baptized more people this year than ever in oh, Colombia. Wow. And our churches, when we visit them, I've seen so many new people. And uh, one church had like 25 people to be baptized. So, hey. You know, we're, oh. we're in victory. We're in revival. 
So you're not stopping us, devil. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That is so great to hear. I mean, and I know too, you have a lot of, you have a special place in your heart for pastor's kids. So you're getting to go visit all those pastor's kids again now. Right, right. Well, Sunday we went to, to a church. And I, if you saw my Facebook post, you uh, we did a crazy thing. But uh, the pastor had three little girls. Uh, one was 13, one was 10, and the littlest one's three. She spoke a different language with a lisp. Um, but we, we, we love on the little kids. And uh, this is a secret, too. We try to give them a little offering. Um, we're not rich, but we give them 10,000 pesos each, which is not a lot. But if you have three to five kids, you're talking a lot of money. But yeah. we gave the little three-year-old uh, 10 pesos. If you could have seen her face, she would have thought I'd given her $100. She had that little money in her hand, and she was like, and her mom was there, and the little girl, for me? And she just her arms around my neck and just hugged me tight and I was like oh my goodness the other two daughters did not want to take the money they were embarrassed but I said it's just for a coke it's not really that much money but just something you know we wanted to do and try to tell you this story the little three-year-old when we went into the house for to eat lunch she was telling me the names of their goldfish. They had three goldfish for the $3. Each one had a goldfish. And I said, do, do your goldfish have names? And she's like, my pescados, their names is this. And this. I, ne I never understood what she said because she spoke <laughs> a different language. And I was like, oh, wow, cool. And I was telling my husband, I said, John, these are their, their goldfish, their pets. And, and I was like, look. And the little fish came towards me to greet me. And then my husband said, and the whole family was there. He said, well, they're big, but when they get a little bigger, you can eat them. <laughs> Everybody stopped. The little girl, she didn't know what to do. The mama, I think she wanted to kill my husband. <laughs> I said, it was just quiet. I mean, the whole family didn't know what to say or do. And I said, John! <laughs> well, and too, he's so like, he's so dry. So you wouldn't know that he's joking. He is the opposite of me. I was like, oh. My goodness. I don't think we're going to be invited back there. <laughs> well, if you do that, they'll give you chicken. You won't have fish. So, Oh, my. But the fish, you know, they were gold. They were good size. But I'm like, oh, my goodness, to tell the little girl that we're going to eat her goldfish. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> that will be in my next book. So don't worry. That one should be. Well, while we're kind of on that, can you talk about some of your... The beauty of what missions is that, you know, you get to speak other languages and you get to learn them. So can you tell us some of your favorite language mistakes? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh. oh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, from country to country, they use different Spanish. Uh, but in, when we were in Mexico, I didn't really speak Spanish. I still struggle with the language. Uh, but I, we went when I was 35. I had had Spanish in high school, but you're talking 35. I was like 16, I guess, two years of high school from there to 35. But anyways, I understood enough to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, 
But when we went, the ladies would speak really fast Spanish, and I would only catch one or two words. And I acted like I knew what they were saying. They'd be like, si, hermana. <laughs> and I said, I said, si. And they said, si? And I said, no. No? Si. <laughs> That went on for a while. Uh, my husband also told me uh, we started the church and we didn't have faithful people. He said, you're going to have to help me lead service. Um, I am not a singer. I will not sing for you because you would really know that. <laughs> no, Cherie. <laughs> um, but a pastor's wife gave me a book with Coritos, little songs, and I could kind of read Spanish. But I was leading service one night. And there's a song we sung that said, Jesus is me gozo. And I was singing, Jesus is me also. Oh. I was worshiping <laughs> the Lord, hallelujah, he's my also. Um, there was nobody to pray with people in the altars after my husband preached. He played the piano, and I prayed for people in the altars. Uh, I went and prayed with a man one time, and I told him, Dile Jesus, perdóname por mis pescados. <laughs> Instead of, I was tell, trying to tell him, say, tell the Lord you're sorry for your sins. But I said, tell him you're sorry for your fish. He did not get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> he did not get the Holy Ghost. He didn't repent of those fishes. He needed to. No. That, that was He wasn't obedient. <laughs> no. But um, when we came to Columbia, we came for uh, six weeks to visit when we, we had told Brother Crosley that we felt a burden for Columbia. And he said, well, go visit to make sure. So we came for six weeks. They just about killed us in those six weeks because uh, <laughs> there, there had been no missionary here for 15 years. The Grissoms had been here and then nobody for 15 years. So they were so excited about missionaries and they wanted to meet us. So we traveled from Bogota to Ibagay to Cali to, I don't know, we traveled everywhere. Oh, and had which is all over the country. And you're driving through mountains in Colombia. The mountains, like, you don't go through the mountains. You go up. So what could normally be a two-hour trip if you were just going straight, you're spending, like, 10 hours because you have to go up the mountains. And so that's a lot to do at once. <laughs> yeah, it was what? Yes, we went up that mountain. And it was just crazy. And um, we would meet the people. And, and I would see the little kids. And I would say... It is muy chulo or chula for a little girl. In in Mexico and Spain, we would say that. That means cute or precious. And I say, it is muy chula. And I I noticed that they would kind of back off and they looked all scared. And I was like, my goodness, what did I say? And I'd tell the parents, sus hijos son muy chulos. I was saying that for a month. Hello. And this pastor finally told me, he said, Sister Vonda, we don't say chulos here because that means vulture. <laughs> those birds that eat dead animals on the highway, those ones, those ugly birds. I was telling these kids, you're a vulture. You're a vulture. I was telling their parents, your kids are vultures. Until a pastor finally said, we don't use that word. <laughs> So, um, please don't, when you come to Colombia, don't call people chulos or chulas. No, so. no vulture children. 
But that's that's just some. Is that is that why you stopped doing a lot as much children's ministry as you used to do? <laughs> you switched over to ladies more. <laughs> but anyway, I, now I say I say you're very pretty, Linda, Linda, uh, hermosa, preciosa, precioso. I don't say chulo. <laughs> All safe words. Those are pretty. No. I think those are pretty universal. So I don't think no. those tend to go from country to country. That's always fun. People don't realize. So Spanish, of course, is spoken. I think what was it? Twenty-two countries. Last I knew. So each one has their own little idiosyncrasies. So, um, and you've been in three of them at this point. So you've gotten yes. to see all kinds of stuff. So. Yeah. yeah, and we we visit Ecuador, Venezuela. Well, we haven't been to Venezuela. I haven't, but uh, gone to Chile, Ecuador, Argentina, um, Bo- um, Bolivia, Peru. So it's like every country we have to be careful mm-hmm. because some words you don't say. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, well, that's funny. Again. Yeah. Yeah, because like some you you can say perfectly well here, and then it it becomes not just like different, but sometimes it even becomes almost like a curse word or something in a different yeah. way. That's, yeah, you have to be careful. Yeah, that's crazy. I know in Spain when we were visiting you, there was something I think a term that I learned in Colombia that we didn't say in Ma- in Mexico, so I learned a different one to say when I was talking to people from Mexico. But then when I went to Spain and used that one, then that was inappropriate. And part of you was just like, I just want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fun stuff. So that's a lot of challenges. So can you um, maybe tell us about, and I guess in ministry in general, what are some of the, the challenges that have been, um, that you've faced um, just kind of in any of your ministries, whatever you'd like to talk about? Oh my goodness. Oh, challenges. Well, the main, the main thing is the language challenge, of course. Um, but it's just the Lord helps us. My husband does way better than I do, of course. Um, but also, uh, many people think in the States that it's easier to win people to the Lord in, in other countries. And in some ways it is here in Colombia, they're more receptive. Uh, but at times it's like people feel like they're okay, you know, that they don't need anything else. They're they're okay with their religion and things like that. So it's sometimes it's hard to get people to take like the next step. Uh, towards God and to be faithful. Um, challenges in Latino country uh, countries is um, this is a secret too. Uh, people here are, are not uh, time conscious. <laughs> they're, they're not on time ever, uh, <laughs> and that drives me crazy. I'm I'm so American still. Um, I've learned to be on time for appointments for church and uh, they, they don't worry about it. They tease us and they say, is that Colombian time or American time? Mm-hmm. And they come on their own time. So that's a challenge. Uh, sometimes eating their food is a challenge. Uh, here in Colombia, they eat cooey, which is little oh. guinea pigs. Uh, they skin them and they put a stick through them. That's kind of gross telling you that. <laughs> and they put them on the grill, and they, you can still see their little ears and their tail. Oh. And um, <laughs> so the food is kind of a challenge. Um, I can't think of anything else. Later, I'll probably think of something else. But. That's how it always goes. 
So, um, well, what do you do? Um, I guess to find balance, if, if you find balance, I know that's always a hard <laughs> for a lot of people. I mean, between ministry and of course you've got, I know, I know Philip and Amanda are grown now, but between, uh, parenting and being a wife and a mom and finding time for you, how do, what do you do to find your balance in life? Um, well, it's, it's not too hard here because, um, my kiddos aren't here, but, um, and my husband's here and we, like, he kind of balances me out. Like we mentioned, he's kind of quiet and dry and I'm kind of wild and stuff. So he kind of keeps my feet on the ground and kind of, sometimes he gives me this look like, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, when we first came to Columbia, we lived in an apartment building that was, I believe it was 17 stories. We lived on like 13th or 14th. I can't remember. And uh, we were in, I was in my office and he was next door and there was a, a trimmer and we felt the whole building sway. And it was just like, I just sat still. And that's not something I do very often. Uh, my husband came around the corner. His office was right next to mine. He said, what are you doing? He thought I made that whole building sway. <laughs> he thought I had superpowers. But usually I'm running, I was running down the hall and chasing my dog and we would play hide and go seek. Um, but, <laughs> but he keeps me balanced, you know, when he says something like that. Um, but uh, balanced life, I try, you know, to start the day with prayer and, and we do a lot of fasting and do a lot of reading and but we do take time for ourselves and uh, try to take a day and like go to the mall um, just to kind of relax you know not just church 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 even though people think that's what missionaries are supposed to do is be preaching and uh, saving souls and all that sometimes we take time for ourselves and uh, rewind I guess uh, rest a little bit so try to have a healthy balance like that. Yeah. And I think I liked, I, I think that's something I want to bring up a lot over time in, in this, in little sparkles, because um, I think people sometimes forget about that. It's so easy to forget that you have to take care of yourself at some point. You have to find, cause you can't just keep giving. And I know, uh, I guess I remember from experience, Colombia, one of it's one of the most wonderful places, but it's very like, it's very active in ministry. There's always something happening. And so you have to yeah. find that time to, to, to get away just a little bit. And which I think it's neat. You mentioned the, uh, retiros that, um, which is not a thing you see here as much in the States. I don't think, um, at least in, in Anglo culture, you don't see as much of it, um, which, can you tell them a little bit about what a, a retiro is? Because I think a lot of people here might not have heard of it. Okay. It's like a, like a camp meeting, I guess. I'm not really sure what the word means. But like I said, we go um, out to a, they call it a finca. Um, but it's like a farmhouse, I guess. And they have like uh, little um, places for people to sleep, like a, like a dormitory, I guess you could say, with bunk beds. And then they have areas where they cook out and they have a big kitchen where sometimes the ladies get in there and cook. But uh, they'll have retiros for like two or three days and they'll uh, have it. They have it for the kid, the pastor's kids. And it's just the pastor's kids that can go 
and the speakers. And they'll have like pastors, kids that are the speakers or somebody that can relate to the kids and just talk to them and minister to them and preach to them. Uh, we've gone a, a few years ago and it's a beautiful time. And that's what we want to do with, with the young girls. Get out of the city because here it's just a busy, bustling life and we're just so busy, busy. But when you do that, go outside the city, then you just kind of slow down. Just a time to kind of rewind, I guess, a refresh, be fed. Uh, there's a lot of fun times, uh, fellowship and ladyship, like I call it, say, uh, fellowship and ladyship. Uh, but it's really neat. It's a good time. Yeah. And I think, I think we're starting to see a little more of that here, the idea of kind of just retreating from it all and, and getting yeah. away. And I think that... Yeah, that's uh, the word, retreat. Just oh, yeah, retreat <laughs> and refresh. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I love those. I think they're, they're so needed. So... How do you deal with things like loneliness, which I know, you know, far away from family and then especially quarantine, but um, ministry in general, I know can be a little bit lonely. So, so what are some of the things you do? Well, that's, that's the roughest part for a missionary. I think that's for me, um, loneliness. And there's a lot of times loneliness as uh, ministers, wives, ministers, because uh, it's hard to have family or friends because sometimes you can't, you can't trust sometimes. Sorry, that's, but that's true. Yes. Um, you know, you have to be careful who your friends are. Uh, but here, it's, uh, I stay busy. Basically, I stay busy uh, in my house. I always try to find something to do. Uh, I have books to read. I do a lot of studying. Uh, when they ask me to speak here, it's not messages that I always have. Colombians, they'll give me a topic, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like I said, I'm speaking on loyalty. I've never spoken on loyalty. It's something I have to, you know, I know what loyalty is, but when you're teaching 500 ladies, it's like you can't just get up there and just jabber. You have to have something to say. So uh, I really do a lot of research. Uh, get I have a big, thick notebook with now with, with messages, but I do a lot of that. Um, when I'm not doing that, I do puzzles online. I love to do jigsaw puzzles, so that helps. I also have two puppies. Yay! This is Chewy. Hi, Bubba. Say hello. Gives <laughs> shuggies. He loves me very much. I don't know where Princess went. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm not a drink of water. This is my little protector dog. Um, Princess will probably come. I don't know where she went. How funny. But. Um, I take my dogs out for walks and play with them, so that kind of helps too, and talk to them, so that kind of takes away the loneliness. Um, but I may basically I try to stay busy and just not think about home. Sometimes Facebook uh, cannot is not a good help on uh, special days like Mother's Day, birthdays, uh, Christmas when you're in the in your country. Uh, you know, and you look at pictures of everybody in the States with family, it's kind of rough. Uh, so you just, you just stay busy. Yeah. Try not to think, you know, just to dwell on it. Like my mom says, uh, she used to say, don't dwell on it. <laughs> so that's, I try to stay busy. Yeah. 
Well, that helps a lot. And I know Columbia will let you stay busy. They yes. <laughs> yeah. make sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right now I'm, it's starting to pick up and I'm like, oh my goodness, help. <laughs> Can you tell maybe some of the differences you've seen between the people in like Mexico, Colombia, um, Spain? Um, what are some of the differences in the way people are or the churches are? Um, the way they are, well, their worship is pretty much the same. Uh, they do a lot of jumping. Uh, here in Colombia, they're a little bit different. When we start our services, uh, everybody usually is praying at the altar, at their chairs. Uh, that's a little different than some places rather than the kids running around or people talking and visiting. Uh, these people, they touch God before church starts. Usually it's an hour uh, before church or 45 minutes, and they're on their knees praying. Um, and then they'll start the services with a prayer course, and then they'll read a, a chapter in the Bible and begin singing. And you can right away feel the presence of the Lord. The children, they'll have their eyes closed and their hands raised. Uh, they're very different than other countries. I won't say where, but... Uh, Sometimes other countries were a little bit different. Mexico was different when we went there, uh, just being honest here. Um, the ladies would let their kids run outside the building and go play soccer uh, while we had service. They believed that children should be children and uh, learn about the Lord when they were like 13 or 14. I did not grow up like that. Uh, my mom took us to church faithfully all the time. And we did not get to go outside and play while church was going on. We were sitting down listening to the services. So when we went to Mexico, uh, they called me the Kukui because <laughs> I went outside in the soccer field and I got those kids and said, you go sit by your mamas. Uh, we're having church. They did not like that. But today, the pastor's wife does the same thing that I used to do. Um, so that's a difference. Spain, uh, they they worship pretty good like that. And um, their kids were pretty good. But Colombia, these people know how to worship the Lord. If you're ever in their services, it's like, my goodness. And they don't have to have music. They don't have to have somebody up there like Sunday. Nobody was up there saying, raise your hands, worship the Lord, blah, blah, blah. Um, they just began worshiping. And the Spirit of the Lord came in waves. It was just beautiful. Um, in Mexico, they would worship too, and they would dance like that. They would jump and dance. We're very expressive. Colombia is that. Mexico's like that too. And we, every country we've been in, uh, we've loved it. Mexico was our first love. We learned a lot. Oh my goodness. Lord have mercy. Hmm. Spain, we learned more. Uh, it was just a little bit harder in Spain. I, we still love Spain. We started a church there from zero. It's still there. It's a very thriving, growing church. We've gone back once. It's a beautiful church, an awesome pastor and wife. Um, but uh, it was rough there for us because um, the people in Spain are a little bit more reserved. Right. And they were not as friendly with Americans. Uh, so it was a little bit rougher there. But we went to a city where other pastors and wives had gone and couldn't get anything started. It, but that was just uh, 
that was just Spain. But like I said, now there's a church there, but the Lord just really helped there, um, helped us get a small group going. And then the pastor that came behind us uh, really got it going. It's probably 75 people now. I'm not sure, but it's a really good church. That's, and so that's pretty awesome. You've had, I know Colombia would be kind of different because you've been in so many places. I know like um, in Nuevo Laredo, you guys, you started the church from what I recall. And, and um, Alice, I don't remember if you started it or if you just really grew it. And then Spain, you were starting stuff. So, um, what are some of the differences you've noticed maybe between those pioneer type ministries where you're the one getting it started and then something like Colombia where um, it's been established. And so you're, I guess it's, it's sort of a different phase of ministry at this point. Right. Right. Um, it was, it was uh, a lot of work starting the church in Mexico. We did start from zero Alice church where we, that was our first church to pastor. Uh, they had a group of 25 or so, and we were there five and a half years. We didn't really grow the church that much. We just kind of held it together. I don't know, but that was a boot camp for us too. My goodness. <laughs> Learned a lot about being a pastor's wife and uh, wow. Memories, memories, but uh, just a lot of work starting the church. And then in Spain, um, just a lot of outreach and, and all of that. But when we we came here, uh, like I said, we have over 700 churches. We are not pastoring the church. Uh, we, our main uh, main thing is visiting our churches, evangelizing, doing seminars, all kinds of seminars, uh, encouraging, doing counseling. The other week, we counseled a pastor that had lost his wife, uh, young wife, and the son. Uh, they opened up to us and uh, just were they really here for the pastors and wives and kids. Um, and to tell you the truth, I'm happier here not being a pastor's wife than being a pastor's wife. <laughs> Our ministry has changed. Uh, I'm not being ugly. I just, I, we don't have the energy anymore. We're getting older. So uh, we're enjoying traveling. We go to these churches on the weekends. We minister. We almost kill ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we come home and we don't have to counsel usually <laughs> or anything Um uh, you know, we do listen to people and we try to do what we can, but our our ministry has changed. And also we have had started home Bible studies, so we're still reaching souls. We're still testifying all the time, trying to win souls. That's still, still our goal. Um, but we're very happy here not being pastor and wife. Sorry <laughs> if somebody's offended. <laughs> no, but I think that's, I think that's such a good um, perspective. And You've, you've kind of spoken to it a little earlier to that idea of um, kind of there are seasons in life, but also seasons in ministry. So, um, and I think that's something I, I've kind of been through as well. I understand the idea that you talked about earlier. You've done a lot in children's ministry, but now you feel more of a burden for uh, like women's ministry. And I, I kind of understand that because I had almost that same transition where I, I know I started in kids ministry and I still, I, I never want to see it like a stepping stone ministry, not at all. It's, it's amazing yeah. and important, but uh, and I still love it and I still am involved to an extent, but I know God's kind of opened some new doors. And, and I think that's, that's such, I, I think you're a great one to talk about that because that's kind of been y'all's life. It's been, um, you've had, it's, it's just a new season that you're in and God knows how to put us in the seasons that 
that we need. And I think, I know we were so excited when, I mean, we were thrilled when you were in Mexico and Spain too, but we were especially thrilled because I think you guys, God knew you needed Colombian. God knew that Colombia needed you. So it was, he knows how to match things where they need to go. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, we fell in love with the Colombian people when we came. It's been 10 years ago when we for, came for that first six weeks. We just, we felt at home. And uh, they just started calling us their missionaries, and we were still missionaries in Spain. Uh, so we almost got in trouble. Uh, <laughs> we were posting on Facebook that new missionaries had come, but they they love us. Um, we're we're very happy here. You know, um, years ago, uh, some of you may remember Eli Hernandez. Uh, he passed away with COVID, but he came to preach a uh, a conference we had. It's it's been when we first came and uh, we went to Bible school with Brother Eli Hernandez and uh, he was different in Bible school than he was as an evangelist. Uh, he's sweet, though. He was so sweet. But he came and he preached a, a conference for us. And uh, they had this uh, room. The ladies, uh, some pastor's wives had made a room for like the pastor's wives and pastors and he, Eli to go back and relax for a few minutes, get a drink or, or a snack or something. And my husband and I were in there. and Eli came in. And he began talking to us, and he was remembering how he went to Bible school with us. And then all of a sudden, he said, I want to tell you something. He said, can I tell you what God told me to tell you? And we said, sure you can. And he said, God has seen all that you've been through. He has seen your trials. He's seen your tears. But he wants to tell you. He wants me to tell you that he loves you and that you being in Colombia is like the bomb of Gilead. Wow. He said, and these Colombian people are going to be your children and your grandchildren. When he spoke those words, it was just us in there, and usually there was like 50 people in there. So we knew it was God. And when he spoke that, we both, my husband and I, started crying. And in these seven years, that's what it's been for us here. It's been the bomb of Gilead. It's We've been accepted. There's uh, people have a confidence in us. They think we can do anything. I've done a wedding. Uh, I lead singing services, which is not my gift. <laughs> they wanted me to dedicate two babies. Was I was not prepared. I've never done that. They have given me my license without even an interview. Uh, they just respect us, and it's and I have. I have 50 children, and I don't know how many grandchildren, but Eli's <laughs> prophecy has come true. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. I mean, that oh, that's so awesome. Because, I, I mean, I know, too, which, you, I mean, you've been, you've you've talked so openly, but, but you've also been very kind with everything. And I know you guys have been through a lot of different stuff in ministry. I mean, there, there's, there's so many wonderful things, but there are also things that you go through just trials. And, um, that's been one of the beautiful things is that it's kind of, I think for a lot of us, that's kind of what we've seen. It's like Columbia was your reward. It's like you, right. God said, okay, this is, I'm giving you this, this place and this, this season of life so that you can know, I mean, I, I like I said, I'm a little biased, of course, but I think there aren't many people who know how to love the way Colombians love. Like they just right. so open and so there's such a depth there. So, right. I think it's wonderful. And 
So you get those, those seasons of life and of ministry are so special when you, you guys get to be in this wonderful season now. So that is, that is just completely awesome. And, um, well, I think within all that, um, I guess a couple of things I wanted to ask, um, that have a little, maybe more to do with sort of the pastor's wife side of things, but, um, what is, what is, I guess maybe one of the number one things you wish people knew, um, just a- average people knew about being a pastor's wife. What is something you wish they understood? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> one thing um, that we, we get lonely that we're, um, we need a friend just like they do that we're a person too. Um, sometimes Sometimes people are not nice to pastor's wives. Um, speaking from my heart, they feel like they can say whatever they want to sometimes to a pastor's wife. Uh, we have feelings too. You know, uh, be kind to your pastor's wives. Uh, we, we don't say anything. A lot of times we don't say anything. We just take it. But, you know, it, it hurts. Words hurt. Yeah. Uh, and it sticks with you. So. Just, and I've been hurt through the years. Cherie's been hurt through the years. A lot of you have been hurt through the years. And um, until you walk in a pastor's wife's shoes, don't judge. I mean, some people are like, oh, she's a pastor's wife. She should be blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, you don't, you don't know. And don't lump us all together. Uh, we're not all the same. You know, just be kind, be sweet. Buy your pastor's wife some candy corn this week. <laughs> Chocolate bar. <laughs> a flamingo hat. Yeah. A flamingo hat. Surprise her this week. She would be so surprised. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you're gonna watch. You're gonna look at all your, your videos back from the States. You're gonna see on Sunday mornings all these women with flamingo hats. <laughs> awesome. What are some of the ways that people, if you look back, um, they've made you feel appreciated? Oh, my goodness. Um, Well, here, they always, always, they tell us how much they love us, uh, that that we're a blessing. Many times when I've spoken, uh, uh, taught a lesson, I feel like, wow, I blew it. In Texas, they say, I dropped my watermelon. Um, But, you know, they'll come up to us and they'll be crying and they'll say, that was for me. You know, or uh, several weeks down the the road or months down the road, they'll come up to me or my husband and they have their notebooks. When we're teaching, they have their notebooks in the writing uh, down the scriptures or thoughts that we tell them. And they'll come up to us and they'll say, I remember what you preached. And they'll say, look right here. And they want you to sign it or they want you to sign their Bible. And they make you feel like, wow, a movie star or somebody really special. Um, with me, they know, they have found out that I love Coca-Cola. <laughs> uh, I'll say Coca-Cola. And they know it's not good for my health. A lot of times they'll say that's not good for you. But I love it like an ice cold Coke. And so when they'll see me at meetings, even young people have walked up and given me a bottle of Coca-Cola. They know I love chocolate. So they'll bring me, here we have jet bars. Oh, they're so good. They're chocolate. And they'll hand me chocolate bars. Um, You know, and it's, you know, you can say, I love you. I love you. Mm. But it's like when they do stuff like that, you're like, oh, 
my goodness. Uh, in one service, a little girl brought me a shell. I don't know where. I have it here on my bookcase. A tiny, tiny shell. Mm. She said, this is for you. Oh. Um, they're very expressive of their, their love. They've always loved missionaries here. Back uh, with the Thompsons, uh, the Larsons, the Dross, uh, the Grissoms. And they never forget you, the Purdue's. Uh, they never forget you. And many of them know the older missionaries, and they'll come up to us and they'll say, Brother Thompson baptized me, or, or this or that. One of the greatest compliments I get here is people say that I remind them of Sister Thompson, uh, Sister Molly Thompson. <laughs> because I'm, I'm funny, I'm silly, and she was. I knew Sister Thompson, not well, but I knew her, and she was funny. Uh, so that's the greatest compliment they give me. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> that's, that's tremendous because, I mean, the Thompsons, too, were loved. Like, absolutely yeah. love it for, for good reason. Yeah. For good yeah. reason. I wanted to ask about, so this year, one of my focuses that I'm looking at is forgiveness. I'm looking at um, uh, forgiveness and kind of exploring that topic. So um, I wanted to ask you um, if you could talk a little bit about any insight you have into forgiveness or if you have something, maybe an experience from life or um, just any thoughts on forgiveness. Um. I'm I'm the youngest of twelve kiddos. Uh, Cherie's mom is uh, the middle daughter, and uh, we there were twelve of us kiddos. There's nine of us uh, now, and uh, we had a fun uh, life as kids. You know, we, there was always somebody around. You know, somebody to play with or this or that. Um, and our mom was awesome. Our dad um, was not. The most wonderful dad, uh, I haven't said this a lot, but um, he he was working a, a lot. He wasn't the nicest guy at times. Um, I went through uh, the re rebellious age, you know, the adolescence and uh, past three years that I did not like my dad very much. Uh, just I was resentful. Uh, he was not nice to our mother at times, you know, uh, now I can say he had a lot of mental issues and he wasn't, uh, what you call it, he wasn't diagnosed. He did not take medicine for it. But um, I just had a lot of feelings uh, against him. I didn't, I guess I, you could say I didn't love him. I was just angry with him. Um, and then I went to Bible school. It was, you know, after the rough years, I went to Bible school. And then uh, my dad had leukemia. He was uh, dying slowly. He always told us he was sick, but he was a hypochondriac. Besides that, <laughs> he always had whatever you had. Uh, he was <laughs> even he could say he had babies. No, <laughs> I remember there was a story that somebody they were saying they'd had a surgery that only women have, and he's like, "Oh, I remember I had that." And yeah. Yeah, yeah. He he was quite the character. I do get some of my storytelling from him. Uh, <laughs> he was quite the character. But anyways, to make a long story short, I went through a rough time. Did not love my dad. Uh, but I came home from Bible school and I was changed. Um, and he was sick uh, later in life. You know, he had been sick a while. And I remember just a few years before he passed away with, he was sick. He did die. <laughs> uh, 
But uh, I was home for some reason. He asked me to take his car, drive him downtown Indianapolis. There was a market, a fruit market, vegetable market that he wanted to go to and nobody was available and I was there and he asked me if I'd go if I'd drive him down there um, something he had never done before and so I said sure I'll take you down there and uh, we drove down there and it was like you know I, I forgave him mm-hmm. you know it was our time my time to be with my dad to forgive him for things that he had said he was not very encouraging to me uh, didn't have a lot of words of encouragement for me, uh, but it was very hurtful if you've ever been through that. And so I felt like I had forgiven my dad by the time we got to the market and I talked to him. I didn't holler at him. He didn't holler at me. We talked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just sweet. When I came home, it was like, okay, I've forgiven him and I can go on, you know. So that was. Uh, that was my time of forgiveness, you know. Wow. That's, and that's so awesome. And I think that's, I don't know. There's a reason I think that that God has kind of put that topic on my heart this year. And it's, it's one of the hardest topics. And, but I think I hear so many people who some of the greatest stories, um, great moments in ministry, there's a forgiveness component. And, um, and I, I think, as you know, too, so many of the great ministries we see, there's pain behind that. There, there are things we've been through. And, um, and I think it's so important for us to hear that, especially because people look and think, oh, well, missionaries, you know, missionaries, they've done, you know, they probably had a great childhood. They had everything easy. And um, a story like that, it, I think it really speaks to a lot of us. So well, thank you for well, sharing that. Yeah. We hear a lot of young people, they, they look to my husband and I, um, um, they, and they think that they think that all oh, the Gidrys, you know, sister Vonda was a rich American, had the best home, home life and my husband too. And, and we have been in the last few years opening up. My husband didn't grow up in the church. Uh, his dad was an alcoholic for most of his life. And the mom, his mom, was a barmaid, uh, stayed there uh, in the bar most of the time. And, uh, you know, my husband was by himself uh, most of his life. You know, that's why he's so quiet, too, because, you know, he just was always alone. Uh, but people think, oh, you just had a wonderful life. I said, you, you don't even realize what we've gone through, you know. But if we can go through it, you can go through it. You know, you can have the victory, too. Uh, you just have to just make up your mind. Hey, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to get over it. I'm going to go on. And I, I, that sounds easy. I know, but it's, it's rough. Yeah. So. Yeah. But there's so much freedom on the other side of that. Right. Right. What, what advice would you give to, um, to someone who's just getting started in ministry? Senior, don't do it. (laughs) I'm real. (laughs) Senior, well, uh, what we tell young people here is because they they'll come and ask us. um, Main thing, you know, is to be faithful, to be loyal to God, and to be loyal to your pastor, to your pastor's wife. Um, You know, sometimes that's hard. Cherie's parents were my pastor and wife for many years. Uh, 
and I, we, and my husband too, we worked under them. I tried to do what they said. I'm sure I didn't do everything, but uh, I even babysit Cherie. We won't go there, uh, but she's got a little bit of me in her. <laughs> but be loyal, be faithful. Um, if you want to, you know, some young people, they want to be like, oh, I want to be evangelist. I want to be a lady speaker. I want to go win the world. I want to win thousands. But hey, you got to start by cleaning the bathroom, by mowing the grass, yeah. by babysitting the pastor's kid, by shining oh. the pastor's shoe, washing the pastor's car, saying, okay, even though you don't like it, you need to do it. Okay, uh, that's what I would say is just obedient, be faithful, don't be a gossip, even if you don't like what's going on, just do it, just do it. <laughs> yeah, <I'll lay> it. <laughs> being faithful in the small things, and <laughs> right, right, and that is such good advice. Oh, my goodness, that's because a lot of ministry, so much of it is, it's not what you see on the platform, it's it's I mean, that's such a, that's a tiny perspective, the tiny percentage of it. So much of it is there's so much behind the scenes work and, and the way you develop in that is like you said, through the little things, through the being faithful, through the, what is it? My dad always said that brother Pew used to say what God needs are more consecrated plotters, like plotting <laughs> along, like <laughs> just the, in the day to day yeah. that that's such good advice that just faithful, uh, loyal, those, oh my goodness, that'll, that'll, those are the things that keep you when all of the trials come. Those are the things that, that are, that's where you build that stability. So awesome right. advice. And, and things that I, I did in Raymondville, uh, in Alice, in Mexico, I learned and I used in my ministry. Now, um, you know, Brother Grissom used to have me, uh, when he was gone preaching out, I would, he would have me in charge of the services. Uh, it was practice. Hello. Uh, I would even sing, Lord, help me. Uh, <laughs> I heard, okay. I have heard so many times where you say you would sing. I don't sing, but I would sing. I think God's trying to tell you something. I think that next season. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, I can sing, but I'm not like a to lead singing or pray. No, 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 no. <laughs> And when they ask me here to sing, I cringe. I'm like, or they'll turn them, they'll hand me the microphone when singing's going on to speak, you know, right before. I'm like, oh God, oh God. <laughs> well, that's uh, the fun part, right? Is that like, if, if, you know, you're a pastor's wife or missionary's wife or anything else, you're supposed to sing, right? Like, like, of course, the, of course she's the wife. She has to sing. Like, <laughs> and that's what it, a pastor's wife here said, all American women sing. I'm like, not me, not me. <laughs> but anyways, I, I I try to be obedient, though. I do, I do everything they ask. Seriously, I do. And my verse is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and that's my verse, seriously. And I'll, if they say, can you do this? I'll be like, um, okay. And I'll figure out a way to do it. <laughs> And I have pre I prepare myself for anything. I I'm always with a scripture or or something. And I need to get a list of songs. Seriously, I do uh, because they're starting to ask me, and I'm like, oh God, <laughs> my new door is opening. <laughs> Three. 
anyone who doesn't know, this has been a running joke with us. She always talks about not singing, and I always joke about every church we go to, I'm going to tell them that she sings solos. So it's always the joke. I haven't done it yet, but maybe one day. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much. This has been amazing. I wanted to end with just one final question. So could you tell us a little bit about um, maybe, I know you have a ton to choose from, but one of your most rewarding moments in ministry. Oh my goodness. Oh, well, just seeing lives changed. Um, I don't know if I could pick one, but there was just a special moment a few years ago. Um, we had gone to, I believe it was Medellin, uh, and preached a service there. Uh, in most of the churches, it's so hot. Uh, and I sweat, me and my husband sweat, and we, they bring us water and all of this, but it doesn't help. And I'm American and I have this light skin and my face just turns red and I'm just sweating and sweating. Uh, I think I spoke at that church. I can't remember. And I felt like I had dropped my watermelon afterwards and my Spanish wasn't great. Sometimes it's just uh, the enemy tells me that, uh, you know, how he speaks to you and, it's like, why did you say that? And you said this and blah, blah, blah. And I uh, wasn't feeling good about myself. And a young girl came up. I had been using a handkerchief. I always use a handkerchief. Uh, I would say you need a uh, a handkerchief, a snointed one, <laughs> you know. And I always snoint mine. Uh, you can't preach without a snointed hanky. And I had one that day, and it was wet my sweat and my tears and my my boogers um and we were walking out of the church and a young girl comes up to me and she says can I have that mm. and I was like it was just nasty I'm sorry it was just plain nasty and I said it's dirty it's filthy I said I've been sweating I've been crying I've been blowing my nose she said I don't care she said I want your handkerchief because you're like Elijah, and I'm like Elisha, and I want a double portion of what you have. And I was like, oh, my goodness. She now has my handkerchief. I don't know if she washed it. Hopefully she did. <laughs> um, but just, you know, you think you're not touching lives, but, you know, you keep on impacting lives. And we've had people come up to us over the years and say, you said this, and you touched my life. You know, and I'm different. I'm changed because of you. And it's not really just us. It's God. And they feel something and they hear something. Maybe God interprets something, even though we didn't say it correctly. He He made the translation correct and they got it. You know, so that's what it's all about is touching lives, impacting lives and seeing them change and work for God. So hope that answered the question. Wow. No, that's amazing. That's an incredible story. That's awesome. So, well, thank you for sharing. Thank you for opening your heart and sharing and being real and honest and um, inspiring and challenging us. Um, I know I got a lot out of all of this and so got some new things to focus on. And um, I hope you guys who are watching, I hope you've gotten some Again, some things to be challenged on and some inspiration. And I hope that you use this to go and do great things for God. Um, and just the last thing before we go, um, 
what are, can you tell them maybe where they can find you online and learn more about your ministry? And then also maybe some things they can do to help. What can they do to help you guys out? Okay. Um, <coughs> if you want to find me, I'm Vonda Gidry on Facebook. Um, um, my email is vondagidry at gmail.com. Very difficult. Um, but in those ways, uh, you can also go to the Global Missions Headquarters and find me. And they know me, too. So um, <laughs> they love me. No. <laughs> um, and what was the other part? I'm sorry. Oh, and then what can they do to help um, to help you guys in the work in Colombia? Okay. Uh, first thing, of course, always is to pray. Uh, pray for us, for our protection, uh, for anointing and God using us. Um, financially, you could support us with partner and mission. You can do that through headquarters, too, or uh, through us. Uh, there's always financial needs. Uh, I've mentioned a couple of times we have over 700 churches. We have almost 10 Bible colleges. Uh, so there's always a need. This round of uh, COVID has really hurt our pastors and wives financially. I know it is all over the world. But you give to God and he'll help you. You know, uh, he'll bless you. And I know that personally. And um, just. Pray for us. Pray for all of your missionaries because we go through some really rough times. Sister Bernard said we're on the front lines. Mm -hmm. uh, so just pray. Be our friends. Um, make friends with us. Hey, most of us are friendly. Some of us have a few problems. But <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know anything about missions, uh, I'm here. If I don't know the answer, I'll find the answer for you. My husband and I are getting older, so someday we need more missionaries in Colombia. Hello. Uh, ask, God, ask God to touch your heart. You know, we can't stay here forever. The, the Colombians want us to, uh, but, you know, you get tired after a while. So pray about it. You know, pray about being missionaries to Colombia, Amers. Um, you know, get out of your box. Amen. Okay? And let God choose you. I believe that's it. All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, we'll say goodbye for now. And we really appreciate your time with us. Um, and God bless. <laughs>